Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up. Accepting uh, accountability is a, a step further than just accepting responsibility. Accountability to me is something uh, my techs, my service writer, they have to internalize that. They have to want to do it and be accountable for it. Like you can't have accountability without an expectation. And that's generally when we tend to notice accountability is when it doesn't happen. Yeah, no, I think that was a great list that you had last night. It was really kind of like, if I have these things and I'm providing our technicians with these things, like if they don't have a tool, we don't hassle them at all. We're buying the tool because we need it, you know? So. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you're right. Like we're doing our job as a company and as, you know, managing this business to be successful, we have to provide the tools for our employees to be successful. We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Welcome, everybody, to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show that is dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. My name is Kent, and during this, if you guys learn something or you hear something that you like, please like and share this video and follow our page to stay notified when we post new content. On our panel today, we have Rich from Pops Truck and RV Center. We have Jared from Mission Auto Care, and hopefully down the road, we'll have a John here in in uh, in a minute here, if he if he can get on, um, we might not have him today, um, but if we do, great. Uh, and today we are talking about accountability, getting stuff done, doing what we say we're going to do, and following through. Now, before we actually begin the conversation, I'd like to share some resources with those of you who are listening, real quick. Um, a little while ago, we actually wrote a book and a course that's dedicated to improving your productivity, and you guys can access that for no cost in the link that I provide down in the chat. Um, it's a wonderful course. It's really, you know, guided. It's step-by-step, do these five things and you're going to see a return. That's how we built it. So you can go use that. Um, and uh, yeah. And the next, if you guys are looking for any help with your SEO or your marketing, take a look into Advanced Local. Again, I'll post that link down below. Uh, this is not a paid advertising for them. We just really like what they do. They're a wonderful resource for shop owners out there. Uh, reminder to those who are listening, you can comment any questions or thoughts on the topic because we're going to be watching the chat so that you can... Uh, engage with us and talk with us and uh, enjoy this discussion as we have it. Uh, So with that said, let's get into it. So the very first question I'm going to ask you guys, and Jared, I'm going to open this up to you first, but what does accountability mean to you? It's a really ambiguous topic. So what does accountability mean to you? Really ambiguous. Um, I like to define it a little bit more. So the willingness to accept responsibility. Um, So what I think accountability means is having structure and processes I feel that if the team has a good understanding of how we want things to flow, what key points we need to hit from the intake to, you know, cashing them out. Um, and that's from not just from the service writer's perspective, but from the technician's perspective on doing um, inspections and actually, you know, doing things consistently, then we can start um, having accountability and start growing from there. Rich, what do you think? Well, it, it, uh, in many ways and to many people, I think accountability and responsibility are synonyms. Uh, although they're not, I think accepting uh, accountability is a, a step further than just accepting responsibility. Accountability to me is something uh, my techs, my service writer, they have to internalize that. They have to want to do it and be accountable for it. 
um, for everything they do and everything they fail to do. And, and I think one of the most difficult things to get across to, to employees is you're also responsible for the things you didn't do that you should have done. And that's when you can do that, that's you're achieving accountability. Uh, I've got a military background. I'm a West Point grad and, and uh, I've got two techs or a service writer and a tech who are veterans and they lead the way for me. They really do. We nice. speak the same language. <laughs> I always, I always had this, you know, weird confliction because I wrote, I recently wrote a course on accountability, but um, I have this confliction with responsibility and accountability. For me, responsibility is nothing more than an assignment. It doesn't, it doesn't carry any weight other than telling me who should be the one to do the thing that we need to get done. Whereas accountability is like the, that person's choice to follow through on what they said they were going to do. So for me, like responsibility doesn't carry any weight. It's just informational. What do you, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I yeah, think I they have the responsibility. You would de- define them having been accountable when they execute that responsibility in a timely fashion. So that's okay. kind of how I think of it. Okay. So, so when, you know, it's a really ambiguous topic and we, we, we kind of talk about it all the time. When are you and your team discussing accountability or items of accountability? Yeah, you can go on. You can take that one, Rich. Okay. We, uh, we, do, we talk about it every day. We have a meeting every morning, a service writer and a shop, shop lead. And we talk about it. We review the previous day. We have an electronic timekeeping system. We build budgets for our folks. I'm, I'm kind of unique here, Jared, in that in addition to doing automotive repair, we do RV repair. And that's a major part of our business. So it's a whole different scenario. So we we might have a literally have a car coming in and then a pickup truck from one of the local oil companies for service. Uh, and usually when they bring it in, there's a lot broke, you know. So we have to detailed inspections. We'll have to do the same thing on the OTRs that come in or get pulled in and, and the same for the RVs that get brought in. And and uh, we use Time Clock Plus right now, and we were using Clockify initially to, to test things out. And once these fellows started to understand just how much time was not being accounted for, that they were actually accountable for, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of hit them. And, and with, with IB, IBE, we, we are putting in one of the bonus programs right now. And that really drives it home to these guys. Cause they're looking, they're going, well, wow, I could have, I could have made this extra money in addition to bringing in extra money to the shop. And, and, uh, our, our shop efficiency's gone up significantly in the last 45 days uh, as as they started to understand exactly you know they put all the pieces together in the puzzle and and now they're they're working out there as a team helping each other but they're more importantly they're accurately accurately recording billable hours and and being accountable for the time that they're not recording billable hours. Okay, why, what were you doing? What happened here? Okay, well, we were cleaning the shop, we were doing this, doing whatever. So they, to me, they're starting to internalize. They bought into the concept of accountability 
and and understanding that that's in my view it's kind of a, a subset of the overall responsibility for the job that they're they're doing that's so so you you've been implementing you know it's easier for them to track their time it's easier for them to see their time uh, you talked about billable hours and and you think that that's given them really good insight on on how they can be more accountable exactly and it's it's uh when we set up a project under time clock plus i'm not trying to put an ad for them we've tried three or four of them and no 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 it's wonderful because then we can actually share this with the listeners and say hey if you're having an issue with tracking your time use you what is it time clock plus is that what you said and it's it's very affordable and it it uh you set up my service writer sets up a project in there excuse me and for each each segment we go ahead and, and show how many hours you're allowed to do it what's the time period that the book gives you and and we use that to build towards at the end of the week okay how many billable hours have you actually produced for us and what's nice about it is the program periodically sends the tech a little email on his phone that gives them a, a chart of here's where you're at in this project that you're working on. So they can nice ease of use. Yeah. Nice. So Jared, when are when are you and your team discussing accountability? So like Rich Every said, morning. definitely during oh. team meetings, it's um, very important to bring up accountability. Um, it could be as simple as um, making sure whoever you have assigned that takes the trash out or checks, you know, your levels on your bulk fluids, or um, just you know certain stock supplies. Um, if we lose sight of the simple things, then it, how are you supposed to manage the larger things we hold them accountable to? So definitely shop meetings are one. Um, it could be also during uh, maybe an incident where somebody might have goofed a little bit, then, you know, we're going to talk about it and hold them accountable for for their mess up and, you know, address it right then and there. Because if we let it slide or don't say anything, then they're going to start speaking and think it's okay. So, so there's, there's the other aspect of accountability is oftentimes it's attributed to negative things, things where we didn't, things where we um, messed up or, you know, um, I always talk about accountability. It, it's, it's not necessarily um, like you can't have accountability without an expectation. So, um, and that's generally when we tend to notice accountability is when it doesn't happen. Um, so what, you know, what are ways do you guys, that you guys think that we can start noticing more about the, the, the better parts of accountability when people are actually doing the right things? Are there, are there things that you guys are doing to um, focus on, on the good rather than the bad? Right. Um, I think beginning of this year, um, one way I tried to like motivate the team or show them that we are, you know, we are growing as a business is, um, and I know they shared it with you, is I just created a graph chart. So where we were, you know, a year and a half ago when we bought this shop and where we're at now, you know, where our average ticket has been, you know, from where we were and now, and really we're growing as a team to kind of motivate them and show them like, look, this is why we are doing inspections more thoroughly. This is why we graduated from paper inspections to digital inspections, because that tremendously helped you know, just our conversion rate. So it's, it's showing them the progress from where we were to where now and where we're heading, I think really motivates them and shows them that, yeah, you know, we're doing a lot of good here and, and we're, we can accomplish so much more together and working as a team. 
What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library, as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, Gear provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. For help with improving your business, head to ifrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today. We do something similar. I, I sit down once a month with everybody in the shop. We, we shut down if necessary on a Friday afternoon and, I, and we go through everything. Here's where we were last year at this time. Here's where we are this year. Here's where we were last month versus this month. And we look at year over year, January of 20 to January of, of 19, to January of 21, so on and so forth. Try to get, uh, I found that it's been useful uh, once they start un- to understand some of the economics behind it. And they start to see numbers. Okay, you know, you worked, we had three people here for 40 hours a week. That's 120 hours less your half hour a day of break time, paid break time. So there's a number associated with that. That's our 100%. If we did 100% labor that entire time, this is how much money we would generate. However, we only did this much. We did Y instead of X. Now look at what we're losing. What we're, let's walk, what's walking out the door on us. And sitting down and, and explaining it to them in one-on-one conversations or actually three-on-one conversations, I think it's been very helpful. And and we talk about that every all the time. We're so looking you, at Do you guys have like a set day that you do this? So is it like every Friday or or is there a schedule to it? We do it we do it once a month. We sit down and and uh, I sit down with the uh, I'm I'm in constant communication with my, my service writer and and uh, and she talks to my shop lead all the time, as do I. The three of us are kind of the management team. And, and we view, I view them as that. I tell them that, you know, so keep things going. And she's responsible for working with the techs as well as Corey is responsible for guiding them and making sure uh, I'm blessed. And then I've got two master techs. So we're, we're well automotive master techs and everybody's also certified in RVDA. So we're, we're nice. doing, uh, I've been, I've been fortunate, found the right guys and managed to keep them. Unfortunately, you got to go through a bunch before you find them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here, here at the Institute, what we do is, is we do Monday team meetings and those are set aside. We know exactly what, you know, those meetings are, are there. We have to have them. Um, and everybody gives a brief report on kind of where they're at with their current projects or, and it's a little different for us because every person that we have here is basically their own department. So we don't have multiple technicians. We don't have multiple service advisors. I mean, Michael's a video producer. We have Kurt, who's our developer. We've got Lex who runs our marketing, you know, different things. And so having to set, um, what we did is we, we went through and we determined for each position, you know, how does your position, um, what can we be looking at for your position where you can talk about that would benefit the greater good of the company and, and how is that going to affect our bottom line and how's that going to grow us? So during those team meetings, everybody can kind of um, get in behind whatever anyone else is talking about because they're, they're reporting on things that have a bigger impact than just their specific department. And then um, 
on top of that, we have monthly department updates where I sit down with my departments or my people and we go over just their department specific um, projects, challenges. Um, and then, you know, we, we have constant communication. We, we use Slack. It's really easy. It's super free. It doesn't cost anything and we can communicate. Like right now, I'm still communicating with Lex who she's trying to get John on. <laughs> <laughs> while we're talking. So it's, it's, it's definitely easy enough. And I know that, um, who was it? Mike Passman, Mike Passman uses Slack between his two shops so he can communicate and talk. And, and he's like, Oh, it's so, it's so easy. We can just chat right then and there. And it's, and it's super fast. So, um, I think the rise of technology is allowing us to communicate a lot more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so now that we've kind of gotten into this a little bit, I want to talk about, you know, you guys have mentioned some things you're doing right, some things that have been improving your accountability and how you're holding uh, constant communication and how you're holding that line. Um, where do you where do you think a common pitfall or common pitfalls are for you know most shop owners out there on holding the line of accountability? Yeah, I think um, coming into this industry a year and a half ago. Um, really coming from, I came from hospitality now, you know, automotive repair. So it was a big transition for me. But one thing I did notice that I, that I wasn't held really accountable for was, sorry about that, a lot of motorcycle come by, <laughs> um, was actually charging for the little miscellaneous things that you use, like brake cleaner or parts cleaner or, you know, lubricant. Like those little things do add up over time. And unless you don't factor, you factor it into your costs and, you, and what you're charging, you're, you're losing money, you know, for those little things. So I thought that was one thing that popped in my head when I kind of heard this question, because you'll charge for, you know, the normal parts and labor, but what about all the little miscellaneous things that do end up, you know, having an effect on your bottom line? So what are the little things? So um, like I said, like, break no, things. no, no. I mean like that's, that's a great point is that we yeah. often overlook the little things. Yeah, because they do add up over time, you know, times that times of roughly 255 days you're open for the year, you know, and all the tickets you have running through, you know, it adds up. What about you, Rich? Where, where do you think some common pitfalls are for shop owners out there when it comes to holding accountability? Well, I think, the you know, I came out of retirement to, to open this shop. 20 months ago. So I'm been doing it about as long as you have, Jared. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the advantage I have, this is my sixth business that I've been in since I got out of the military. And, um, I guess the, the old airborne ranger in me, you want to be tough on your people, but you want to be fair. And, and usually at least initially err on the side of being too lenient. Uh, you can set the standard, but you're not enforcing the standard completely. That's what I what I discovered. And one of the biggest issues was time time management on the part of the techs. And and I had some serious pushback with people early on, and had to had to send them on their merry way. You know, uh, unfortunately, there were some of the younger guys. Um, I, I mostly have older folks, 35 and older now. And they're doing great. They're working together as a team. They identify the concept of teamwork. Um, the little things, as Jared mentioned, they add up quick. You know, realizing that I do need to charge top supplies, realizing that I, I do need to charge for environmental factors, disposal of oil, if nothing else. 
And and uh, the best thing I did was, from my end, from my view, I brought in a, a lady with with marketing experience and retail experience, and she's and we opened a store, and she's basically my parts department manager and my store manager. So we have retail sales where people can come in and out. And we're a Napa truck shop, so Napa's helping us out a lot. They're they're bringing in. Uh, I actually do a lot of my sales on consignment parts at Napa stocks for free. So the only out of pocket I have is my my RV inventory, parts inventory. But she's managing that, and I can tell you with one hundred percent certainty, there's not a brad nail, a washer a screw or a nail that gets out of here without being charged for. When we we do everything on statements because we get a detailed listing of all the parts that were used on any repair. And every 100% of the parts, whether they be RV or automotive, run through that parts department and she does a great job. We, we actually have a shop right now that we're working, well, a couple of shops we're working with right now who are having an issue with their, their parts margin. And that's one of those things is like we we've covered kind of the big, the big pieces and now it's really getting into, well, exactly what are we tracking? What are we, you know, focusing on? We're, we're, we're missing a lot of the little stuff and that's where our margins getting killed. And so uh, we had a discussion about that last night, actually. So um, the, the, uh, the make the parts matrix you all use and, and uh, I took, took your advice. We, we mark it up, even the stuff from the dealer. Yeah. And you you have to get over that emotional hurdle that, oh, that's too much. Yeah. A lot of people, they don't realize how much overhead goes into a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 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 time invested. There's, you know, you've got to pay for marketing. You got to pay for the lights. You know, there's, there's a lot exactly. that goes into it and you need to account for that. You can't just, you know, let it go. Um, we, we've been since we've we've put that stuff in. I went through the courses with you fellows. I mean, we're looking at uh, this past this month right now running. We're uh, my my uh, gross profit margin on labor is eighty five percent, seventy two percent on parts. Whoa! <laughs> wow! And. I, I told him, I said, that's where it's, that's where it needs to be. It needs to be up in that area. And, and imagine what, what those numbers are going to turn into. I just did a, I just did a shop rate increase, went up 12% February 1st. And we're seeing the impact of some of that. And it's helping us through our slower time of year, but we're going to start picking up here in a couple, three weeks. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, we had we had 30 RVs and vehicles stacked in line out there in July and August waiting on parts. Wait, of course, COVID killed us on parts as it did everyone. Yeah. Uh, we were stuff that we were getting in three days prior to COVID were taking six months. So it was tough. So you had talked about having to let some of those other people go, uh, Rich. And this kind of opens up another one of the questions that we have here. But, you know, when when do you ultimately decide that someone is not going to be accountable? Well, with me, it, it, uh, I have several informal sessions with them where I don't, don't really dive, take any notes or anything. And I tell them this is informal, just between you and I, 
we've had a problem. We talk about it and, and hopefully I get an agreement to resolve the issue or issues. And, uh, and, and then if, if they move on and they don't improve, we have another discussion. I try to do at least two informals and then I move to the formal counseling where I have a, my attorney prepared to form. We fill it out, he signs it, and then we move on. Now, are there specific written objectives that they must achieve? If they don't do that, then we have another one, a second one. And they're put on notice after the second one uh, that if you don't comply by such and such a date, you're probably, you know, you stand a 99% chance of being terminated. And and uh, in New Mexico, it's pretty easy. We're, uh, we're able to, uh, we don't get hassled by the state very much on that. It's an at-will state, so I can terminate for no reason at all. Yeah, same here in Utah. Jared's got it. Jared's got it tough because he's in California. Fun. You know? So hey, hey what's uh, Jared? I know. I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet. You know, still there. But when <laughs> when do you ultimately decide someone is not going to be accountable? So I think uh, Rich has a pretty good set on the process. Um, couple informals. I still document them even on the informals that we still had a conversation. But once we get to the formal aspect, I try to think of like a three strikes and like you're out almost. So we'll have two informals and then the formal will be the third one. And then, and then if there's still, you know, no improvement, then setting more clear expectations exactly on that, you know, second formal, like, like we have to meet these guidelines, this date, you know, this ending date and, you know, and have this much improvement or, you know, this will be the end of, of the line. So I think if you're not clear enough on that stuff and you're not setting hard deadlines, um, you're yourself not holding yourself accountable to your position. So that's another thing about accountability. You know, you got to hold yourself accountable to managing the business and holding your employees, you know, accountable to work out what they're supposed to be doing and, and actually be efficient and effective. So um, yeah, California is a little tougher on, on letting go of people, but if you have documentation and you're, following a process, then you're, you'll be fine. So I, I kind of think of the three strikes you're out. I'll do informal first, then formal, and then termination if necessary. Yeah. I, I always, I always want to, you know, lean on having things written, having things documented, because even if we're at, you know, you know, an at will, like Utah is an at will, um, I still want to have those things just in case, not only for the liability of it, but so that I can review and see how, uh, maybe I wasn't successful as a manager with that employee. Right. Or you um, can pick out any patterns that are starting to arise because you have things documented. Right. Right. And that's, so uh, Jared, I don't know if you watched the thing last night, but you know, I carried through and I teach this in my accountability course, but there's, there's five things that prevent us from being accountable. And I always defer to those five things right. if somebody is not getting the job done. And if right. I can check off all those things and say, I, as a manager have provided those, yeah. to the best of my abilities and capabilities, then I won't, then it's really up to them and they're not going to make that choice. And yeah, no, I think that was a great list that you had last night. It was really kind of like, yeah, this is even me as a manager. If I have these things and I'm providing our technicians with these things, like if they don't have a tool, we don't hassle them at all. We're buying the tool because we need it, you know? So it's, mm -hmm. it's, you're right. Like we're doing our job as a company and as, you know, managing this business to be successful, we have to provide the tools for our employees to be successful. Yeah, this is this is my my way of sneaking this in, but I think it's a wonderful topic to talk about because it's great for accountability. But I'll list those five things for those of you who don't know what they are. Um, if somebody isn't getting the job done, they're not being accountable. Oftentimes, it's not their fault 
And a lot of people would argue with me on that, but there's five things that will prevent us and have nothing to do with the person's character or value, you know, values or ethics, which oftentimes we attribute accountability to the character of a person. So if they're not, then we automatically think they're a bad person, you know, they're bad seed when it's not their fault. So the five things are a lack of tools. They don't have the right tools to do the job uh, or the tools they do have don't give them the ability to do it to the standard with which we want it done. Um, a lack of knowledge or information. They don't know what to do. They don't have the, the information to, to work upon to get the result we're looking for. A lack of, I'm going to forget it, competency? A lack of, no, opportunity. Opportunities first. So a lack of opportunity, meaning they don't have the capacity, the time or the availability. Maybe they have too much on their plate. And if we add one more thing, we're already setting them up for failure. So do they have the opportunity? Um, a lack of competency. Maybe this thing requires some level or degree of skill to do, and they might not just be there yet. So what can we do to put in place to help train them to get that skill or competency? You know, um, there's a lot of things in our industry, especially with working on vehicles, that you're going to have to practice, you know. And then the Mm -hmm. very final one, which I butt heads with my dad all the time on, is a lack of motivation. And, uh, you know, you, you a lot of a lot of people would argue an accountable person will find the right motivation they'll motivate themselves they'll make the choice if you were listening to my dad last night um, yeah. they'll make the choice but it's really it's really a, a little more practical than that it is what incentives are we putting in place that would motivate us to take the right actions right. or things that we're putting in place to demotivate us from doing the wrong actions right yeah all right i yeah, those are the five things. There you go. <laughs> so, so, so as as I as a manager, as I'm looking at this and I'm seeing my team isn't being accountable, I always default to those five things and I ask those questions. If I don't have the right tools, where can I get them? If I don't have the information uh, or knowledge, where can I get more? If I don't have the uh, uh, opportunity, what can I free up? If I don't have the competency, uh, how can I earn it? And if I don't have the motivation. Uh, or incentives in place to motivate me, what would, you know? Yeah. So those are five questions. Once I've covered those, um, I mean, we, we, we ended up having to let somebody go, but you, you spend a lot of time and it's really disheartening because I just, he couldn't be successful and I tried everything, you know, but there's, there's a point where as a manager, as an owner, I've covered the quote unquote bases and done my best. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, help themselves. <laughs> so, so on that uh, topic, that's right. they determine what it is. The, the employee determines ultimately what happens to them. Yeah, and, and, right. Uh, I feel I feel badly when I have to let someone go, but you learn to get over it real quick. <laughs> you got to move on. Yeah, <laughs> you have you have a, a lot of responsibilities to manage. You know, got to keep keep moving. Um, so. So when it comes to those uncomfortable conversations that you have to have, oftentimes will people will just avoid them outright because they're uncomfortable. Um, how do you guys how do you guys navigate those types of conversations? So Rich, you were talking about how you'd bring them in and, and uh, you'd have those informals. What do those look like? How are you managing those conversations? Well, I think the best way when you when you speak with anyone is is make every attempt not to be ambiguous. 
if 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 I have an issue or there's their supervisor has an issue with what they are doing or how they're doing it. And, and, you know, the, the chain would, would flow from our shop lead down to one of the techs and he, he's a trainer and, and uh, that by nature, he's, he's a trainer. So he assumes that responsibility and full accountability for it. But if he has trouble, he, we bring it in and I, I, I address the point directly. Well, you know, if it's, the only way to get rid of the uncomfortable period is to go through it, get it done. Uh, don't avoid it. Let's address it, you know. And uh, if it, it's it's not fun on either side, but you got to do it. Yeah. I owe it to the employee to be honest with them. Yeah. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, I think uh, he's right. Um, you got to be clear and concise. And you have to be able to address it when it's happening. You know, um, if you ignore it and then try to address it later, there's really no, not as much of an effect or a value on, on addressing a, an issue a week later, because they're not going to remember, you know, the details or you're not going to have that emotion behind like how the severity of it. So being clear, uh, defining what should have happened or what needs to happen or what processes that that technician or that service writer or manager is not following and, and pointing in the right direction and then kind of going through the processes, like you say, your five steps to making sure you as a manager owner are providing them with the right tools and education and, and information. Um, yeah. Before we get into the next little bit, I'm going to take just a moment and do a quick ad break. Um, so apologies. If you want to skip, you can, if you're listening to this, <laughs> um, I want to thank those of you who are watching or listening to this podcast. Uh, you're the reason we do this. We're really here to help the industry. And that's what we try to do with these podcasts is to share some information, some knowledge, some education. Um, if you are looking to understand, understand your auto shops finances, you guys can check out the new course that is going to be launching on our platform from finance professional Hunt Demrest, which should be available now. If not, it'll be available soon. We're going to be publishing it very soon. Um, and you can go check that out at gearforshops.com. Um, those of you who are looking for additional training, what we're doing, the Institute, we're actually putting up uh, something called Project Jumpstart. And you can apply to, to get free um a six months free consulting with Project Jumpstart. What we'll do is we're going to do an evaluation for you guys. We're going to walk you through a six month uh, consultation throughout this business plan that we've written for you. And we're, we're going to give it to you completely free. The reason being is we're going to document the entire journey that your shop is going through um, and provide a YouTube series that we're going to publish so that anyone who maybe can't afford to take that next step to get a, con a consultant or take the education because, you know, there's some shops out there that are struggling. We want to help those shops. They can go and watch that entire YouTube series and see, you know, where they line up and what things they can do while you go through the journey. So that's kind of the, the, uh, the, the payoff there is that we get to film it and share it with other people. So if you're interested in that, you can apply. Uh, we'll provide a link for you guys. Um, you can also get all of your automotive business management needs taken care of at gearforshops.com. That's all I'm going to say about that. Go check it out. We have a lot of courses on there, just like the one that's being published with Hunt Demarest about your financials. And yeah, there you go. All right, back to questions. So why 
Why do you think, I mean, we all know what we need to do. We've got processes, we've got uh, standards that need to be met. We have goals and targets. Why, why do you guys think we aren't as accountable as we probably should be? Jared. Um, I think we're not as accountable as we probably should be because um, maybe it's, it's something we have to have more of a self-discipline in ourselves to learn. Um, it's not something that's natural, I feel, um, holding yourself accountable and then holding others accountable too. So um, I think one way I try to combat that is, you know, having good mentors uh, is really important to me and, and learning how other people who've been in the industry or been in a situation have handled it and taking, you know, that scenario and applying it as you grow and gain experience. So, um, yeah. Rich, what do you think? Well, it, uh, I think I think we we tend to do that on occasion simply because we're human beings. We we get frustrated, we get a little lazy every once in a while, and and sometimes you kick one of them to the curb. And I do that. I have no problem. Uh, and in in almost two years, we've got about sixteen hundred customers, so I can afford to get rid of five percent of them. <laughs> and, and, and if they, you know, people walking in wanting you to do insurance fraud and stuff like that, it's crazy. And and uh, they're gone, you know, I don't do it. Take your stuff, leave. And, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to me, both of you guys mentioned that it's not natural or along those lines that it's not natural to be, you know. But if you look at it, um, you know, what they say for kids, consistency, uh, you know, structure, regimen. I mean, my seven-year-old, which I do this with my kids, um, <laughs> my kid hates it when he comes home from school and we don't end up doing what we normally do, which is is uh, his chores. He's like, we do chores after school. That's what we've always done. That's what we do every mm-hmm. day. Yeah. And so when we're like, hey, we're actually going to go like, go have lunch somewhere. He's like, what about our chores? We got to go do those. What are you, you know, <laughs> it's, it, our brains are actually hardwired to be habitual. Right. So mm-hmm. why do you think that we end up falling out of these habits? What, what, what throws us off the wagon, so to speak? I think maybe um, sometimes feeling overwhelmed with, with certain things, maybe you just get a little lazy or you just feel like you don't want to put the energy into it. Um, that would be probably my most simple, best explanation to falling out of accountability. Um, yeah, just maybe workload sometimes. Maybe if you're, you have too much on your plate and you can't focus the right attention to holding yourself accountable or holding others accountable. I agree with that. I agree completely. It, it, you know, you get to a point where you're, I just don't want to deal with that right now. So I'm going to do this instead. Yeah. And you push it to the side and you know, you're going to have to deal with it yeah. and you eventually will, but <laughs> You just want to delay, delay having to to have the confrontation or whatever it may be, for whatever reason, and just maybe your frustration level has reached the breaking point, and you just we're going to let it set for a while, you know. Mm-hmm. 
There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame, they can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery Program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one -on -one coaching, KPI tracking, live community trainings, a resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher arrows, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to iframe.com and register now. We'll see you in class. You guys, would you guys argue that people actually like being held accountable? Would you disagree with that? Not at all. It's like I, a. I, uh, go ahead, Rich. I think. Uh, okay. Go ahead, Jared. <laughs> I think it's like a double-edged sword. <laughs> um, I feel that yeah, when you put yourself in a situation, I, I feel uncomfortable being held accountable, but ultimately it's going to make you a better person or better at your job if you're held accountable and make you grow. So there's, there's two sides to it, but it's for the good to be held accountable as long as it's for, you know, the growth of the business or the growth as that individual and themselves, you know, so you, you sometimes hesitate to step out of your comfort zone until somebody pushes you out. So. I agree. I think, uh, uh, and I draw this from my, my 14 years as a scoutmaster in the Boy Scouts. Young men want to be challenged. Those young men who want to be challenged end up being soldiers who want to be challenged. Yeah. End up being auto techs or RV techs or whatever, accountants who want to be challenged. So I think you have to continually raise the bar. You set it at this level. When the techs read it, reach it, when the when the shop lead comes in there and you say, hey, you guys really did good. You've achieved this goal. Now, here's the next one. You just yeah, keep yeah. adding adding a goal to them. Raise it a notch every single time. And I think what we're doing is we're kind of backdooring them and teaching them about accountability. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's how I kind of look at that. A lot, of, a lot of times people just want guidance because thinking is hard. <laughs> and, and, and deciding deciding what to do and where to invest your energy sometimes it's a lot easier for someone to just tell you what you need to be doing you know mm -hmm. tell you where the bar is tell you where the next set of of challenges are and where and where they should be focusing their energy uh because it doesn't take any critical thinking you know uh that's why there's a lot of young kids who are who are going into you know college and they have no idea what they want to study. Sometimes it's just easier for someone to choose for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is where accountability steps in, where we've got to, we have to determine exactly what they should be doing. Often, I mean, a lot of shops out there don't have processes in place. They don't have goals. They don't have targets. They don't have routine meetings. You know, where, where should a shop start in developing a culture of accountability through you know, all the different means. Where do you guys think they should start? Like, I think you, like you said, the word culture, that's, that's, I feel like the defin definitive starting point is building a good culture. Then you can build, you know, solid relationships 
And then you can hold people more accountable and you have a relationship, you have a strong foundation and then it makes it easier to have conversations and if it's for good or bad. And I feel like we've kind of focused a lot of the accountability on maybe negative towards employees, but there's also accountability to holding them for the positive things. Like I have a technician who's a, a C tech, but I feel like sometimes he's the one carrying us through some of the rough weeks and, and, you know, that's something that deserves praise and you're holding them accountable for doing good, you know, and makes it motivate them a little bit more. So I think the culture is definitely the, the, the biggest part. And then you can build from that and build relationships and have easier chances of holding people accountable. I agree. I think a, a good axiom to follow what I, I try to do as much as possible is you praise in public and condemn in private. And, you know, that's hence the theory behind the one-on-one -on -one meetings with an employee where you may be having issues, performance issues. But if he does a good job, make sure you point them out to everybody. And and uh, when when they read to go, like when I when I looked at the, the gross profit margin for labor, I called in my, my, my uh, service writer and my shop lead. And I said, you need to let everybody know about this. You guys are really doing it. And it's showing in the bottom line. What they don't know is they're going to get a reward for that, but that's down the road a little bit. But <laughs> you know, like the end of the month, you know, another week. But so, but I, I I've, that's always uh, done well for me, following the axiom of, of praise in public and and condemn or counsel in private. Condemn's kind of a harsh word, but <laughs> I. Uh... Oftentimes when I'm looking at this and I'm talking to, to owners and, and looking at shops, I always start with, you know, the positions that we, the roles that we have to fill. And, you know, a lot of times we've got owners that, that talk about, oh, I've got this, this trouble tech, or I've got this advisor who just won't show up on time or, you know, and we talk about defining the responsibilities of the role rather than the person. Oftentimes we look at, the person and go, that's, you know, if they leave, I'm screwed because they're the tech or they're the service advisor. When we, we, we don't separate those because they are separate. There's a role that needs to be played by an employee, whoever that employee is, it could be Dave or Rob or Jim, just random names, but whatever it is, the role is still the same is service advisor. You know, um, I would always, I'd recommend that if, if you are trying to develop better accountability, you should start with the roles um, that need to be played and the responsibilities of those roles. Uh, service advisors should be responsible for uh, managing workflow with the technicians. They should be responsible for calling customers. They should be responsible for selling and converting sales and educating the customers on what needs to be done on their car. If you talk about technicians, they're responsible for servicing the vehicles, diagnosing and finding work that needs to be done on the vehicles, uh, making sure they're done, done in a timely manner and, and in such a way that it's quality work and the vehicle is going to be taken care of. You know, And you start to write those out before you even talk about the people who are even if you do have them now uh, in, in those roles, um, but before you even start talking about having someone in them. What other steps do you guys think shop owners can take or managers can take to start developing what we quote unquote call a culture of accountability? I would say just create a short list. What, what, 
what are your, are your weak points? What can you start on and strengthen first and kind of build from there? If you're, if you're lacking in um, just the day-to-day accountability and making sure everything's running smoothly, if somebody's slacking off, like if your service riders, you know, not really putting much effort in, in sales, you know, maybe just kind of keep an open ear and seeing what's, what's being said on phone conversations. Is it really an effort? Are they answering the questions, you know, with their presentation and, or are they just being lazy and saying you need this and this is how much it is and kind of just throwing it at them. So I think kind of find your weak points and start there and then you can start improving, you know, and strengthening in your strong points. So that's where I would start first. That's uh, my focus initially when we opened up was to attempt to to build a team, to to get people to be comfortable with with working with each other, and and uh, to kind of put pull down their shields, break down those walls so that they can they can communicate effectively. And I think that as a manager, that's the manager slash leader because they're not mutually exclusive, but they're mutually inclusive uh you know it's it's my job to make sure that the team actually functions as a team and that each team member understands what their individual role is and with that what their obligation to the other team members are i love that we sorry go ahead i was Uh, gonna say i I love the fact that we we all had three very my mic just went nuts i apologize for that uh, we all just had very different starting points. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but um, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> um, Jared, you started you you started talking about the weakest to deal with the the areas that that are the biggest issue or problem areas. You sort those out for uh, out first. I started with you know process and roles and and not even the people at all. And next yeah. year on the other end, like hey man, if I've got a team that's willing to do the work. Yeah. then we can pretty much do whatever as long as we are working as a team. I love that. Very, very different points of view. Yeah. And they all work. <laughs> and they all work. <laughs> you got to do them all in actually, tandem. I think we, we, all three of us are actually including portions of all three of those perspectives. Right. And, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, as you get deeper into, you, you go into team building, uh, You'll reach a point where, okay, now we got to start talking about technical competency. We now got to start talking about process. That, that's an ongoing deal in, in our shop here. We're uh, with the new service rider in here. She brought a lot of new ideas. Yeah. I like new ideas. I'm I may ultimately be resistant to them to them and to the change they bring, but if it works, let's do it. Let's let's yeah. put it in place. Let's let's refine it so that it fits our model, and and uh, there's a lot of good ideas out there, and we're foolish not to at least look at them. I think. Yeah, I often, you know, I, I don't want people to work for me who think exactly like I do. Um, yeah. I, I always attribute it to the to the you know, a watch doesn't have the same sized gears. If a watch had the exact, all the gears were the exact same size, and they they spun the exact same, then it would be really not very good at keeping time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you got to have all shapes and sizes with different strengths, different viewpoints, different opinions on things, and of course, different ideas because they might think of something that you didn't. Yeah, and that's the benefit of, of having this this network in this industry. You 
don't really suffer from groupthink anymore. You have other people's ideas, other other ways of doing things or better ways of doing things that you wouldn't have thought of. And yeah, it's naive of somebody to think that their ways is the best because there's several ways to do one different different task. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really beneficial even having these these webinars to kind of like we just experienced. We had three different ways of answering that one question, you know. <laughs> It's, it's, it's very valuable. I've been taking notes even like this whole time. There's one I love, uh, you know, not to be ambiguous, no matter what in these meetings, don't be ambiguous. Thank you, uh, Rich for that one. Um, yeah, it's, it's, mm, it's difficult to hold accountability because oftentimes it is ambiguous. We don't really know exactly what's going to get us the results. We feel uncomfortable in those situations where we're, having to hold someone a bit, you know, hold somebody to be accountable because oftentimes we haven't set it up for them to be accountable. And so I think that's where a lot of people will, will kind of falter at that point. So we're, we're coming up on it on the end of this. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts on this idea of accountability or holding people accountable that uh, shop owners out there listening should pay attention to? I think um, as the owner or the manager, you know, you're the first step on starting the accountability train and, you know, you can go from there and then start building it down, down the chain. So that, that'd be my, my last final comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd agree with that. And, and also, you know, as the, in my case, also owner and manager, you know, it, it, uh, I needed to learn exactly what my job was. I've, I've had other businesses, but this is the first repair shop I've run. And, and that's where you folks have come in great there uh, at IABE. And, and it's really been helpful. But what's, what's most rewarding to me is uh, I have absolute confidence in my people. And I know if they do something wrong, they're going to come and tell me. They're going to walk right in the door and say, you may not like this, but here's what happened. And to me, they have bought in on accountability when they're able to do that. That means that we have a, a, a well-functioning team where people feel responsible and accountable to each other within that team. And isn't that what we ultimately want? We want the guys, to, the guys and girls, actually, to feel that way. And, yeah. and when that happens, and it occasionally, it, I love it. It's great. I, I, uh, I always say it's something called universal ownership. <laughs> so yes. no matter who it is on your team, no matter what level they're at, everyone is allowed to have the authority on what the team has decided the line is for your standards, for your operations. You know, um, A lot of you would, uh, would balk at this, but do you know who discounts the most in a shop? Jared, do you know who discounts the most in a shop? Um, well, not my owner, but the owner. <laughs> it's generally the owner. Um, owners, the thing is, they like to break rules, even mm-hmm. the rules that have been established. So my thing, universal ownership, if I go to try and break a rule that we've established as a team, doesn't matter who it is, they can call me on it, you know, and say, yeah. hey, you're not following what we've determined to be how we do things, right. you know. Um, and, and, and you got that and you have honesty, 
I love honesty. Oftentimes people tell me I'm too blunt, but <laughs> honesty is honesty. We can't fix, we can't fix anything unless we know where we're at, you know? Right. So, That's right. um, <clears throat> and then I guess the very final piece is trust knowing that if I am honest, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be cast out. I'm going to be accepted for being honest and saying, Hey, we have a problem. We need to address this. Instead of we have a problem, don't tell me about problems. I don't want to hear about problems. You know, um, uh, I, I say uh, preach preach what you practice as a trust building exercise. Not practice what you preach. It's a little different. What we do is we we only talk about the things we know we will follow through on. It's uh, preemptive rather than after the after the fact. So if I say. Uh, uh, I'm going to do something. I've given, I've opened myself an opportunity to, to maybe not follow through on that thing. But if I'm talking about the stuff I already know I'm totally going to nail, then I will always be keeping my word. So, so, all right. Yeah, that's it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank uh, Jared and Rich. Thank you guys for showing up. It's unfortunate we couldn't get John in here. Um, thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for those of you who are listening um, remember if you, if you liked what you heard, you learned something new, um, or we inspired you at some point, go ahead and like, and share, and uh, this, this episode and follow us to be up to date on new episodes that we post. Um, I want to talk about gear real quick and say, if you guys are looking for additional resources or education, you can check that out at gearforshops.com. It really is an incredible platform with a very affordable training for auto shops, of today's industry and tomorrow's industry. Um, you can tune in on March 8th uh, because Monday, Vision, we're going to have episode 67, Educating Your Shop. We're going to have a discussion about the educational space now in the industry and we'll focus on why training yourself and your team is important and ideas for how you can consistently train your shop to be the best shop it can be. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes. Pretty much anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Thank you again for listening to uh, this podcast. It's been The Leading Edge, and we'll see you next time. That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by GearForShops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iForAbe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.